WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hello, Father Dwight Campbell here for this Marian Hour on this Easter Wednesday. And happy to be with you. Uh, we're celebrating all week Easter, the resurrection of our Lord. If any of you attend Mass, you'll, you'll notice in the prayers, especially um, in the preface to the Masses on in Easter week, the octave of Easter, uh, we speak of the resurrection of our Lord this day. So all this week we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead liturgically. <clears throat> and I'm going to begin the Marian Hour with my favorite Marian prayer, the Memorare. So if you would please join me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, on this Easter Wednesday, I would uh, like to talk, first of all, about <clears throat> a topic that maybe some of you have thought about, maybe some of you had heard preaching upon. Um, don't know if that's the case, but uh, this is a question that has, you could say, been uh, burning in the hearts of the faithful for a couple of thousand years, you could say. And that question is this. Did Jesus appear to his blessed mother after he rose from the dead? Now that question is a legitimate one because the Gospels and the various epistles of St. Paul, for example, St. Peter, make no mention of Jesus appearing to the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you went to Mass today, <clears throat> in the New Rite of the Liturgy, I'm not sure what the traditional Latin Mass uh, Gospel was, but in the New Rite of the Mass, um, post-Vatican II, the Gospel for today was Mary appearing to St. Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene remained at the tomb after the others had left. Uh, those who comment on this speak of her burning love for Jesus. She was there with the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross. You know, she went with the other women uh, in the early morning hours and <clears throat> Jesus appears to her. She thinks he's a gardener at first, and then 
Uh, he reveals herself to her and says, you know, do not touch me. Well, those who comment on Jesus' appearance to St. Mary Magdalene say that Mary was rewarded with this appearance of Jesus even before he appears to St. Peter and the Apostles because of her great love for our Lord. Okay. So, her perseverance, remaining at the tomb out of love for Jesus, was rewarded with Jesus appearing to her. Now, take that thought, apply it to the Blessed Virgin Mary. No one loved Jesus more than the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother. <clears throat> so if Jesus were to reward <clears throat> the faithful disciple Mary Magdalene with his appearance, well, you would think that he would have appeared first to his Blessed Mother. And we know that Mary didn't go to the tomb with the other women. At least there's no account of this. And there's a good reason for that. Why wouldn't Mary have gone to the tomb with Mary Magdalene, Mary the wife of Clopas, okay, with their spices? Okay, they were going to prepare the body of Jesus. They find the, the, the stone is rolled away from the tomb. <clears throat> Why would not Mary have gone? Well, the answer is simple. The answer is because out of all of the followers of Christ, only Mary believed that Jesus would truly rise from the dead. Jesus, recall, made three predictions to his his disciples, his apostles, that he was going to rise from the dead. And <clears throat> um, Mary knew this. Mary believed. The others did not believe that he would rise from the dead. This is why they, they go to the tomb. They're expecting to him they're expecting to find Jesus in the tomb. Peter and John, we have this account we read over the past couple of days. You know, when they're told by Mary Magdalene, this is a little earlier, okay, that you know, they, someone has removed him, he's not there, that we saw the burial cloths. They run to the tomb, and St. John tells us they saw and believed, okay, that Jesus had risen. Well, Mary didn't even go to the tomb because she believed, she believed that her son would rise from the dead. Jesus truly did rise from the dead. And Mary did not go to the tomb. The tradition of the church is that Jesus appeared to Mary first. And <clears throat> here I will quote um, Pope St. John Paul II. He addressed this topic a number of times over the years in his various catecheses. Okay? Uh, in a general audience, for example, on May 21st, 1997, he says this, the gospels mention various appearances of the risen Christ, but not a meeting between Jesus 
and his mother. This silence must not lead to the conclusion that after the resurrection, Christ did not appear to Mary. Rather, it invites us to seek the reasons why the evangelists made such a choice, that is, as to not include the account of Jesus appearing to Mary. And at an audience, a general audience a year earlier, in 1996, Pope St. John Paul reminded us that Mary witnessed the entire Paschal mystery. She alone remains, remains to keep alive the flame of faith, he said, preparing to receive the announcement of the resurrection. And <clears throat> so uh, she, she has this great faith and burning love. She knows Jesus is going to rise from the dead because Jesus predicted this. He, he foretold it a number of times. And in 1997, John Paul II said, if the evangelists did not write about Mary's encounter with her risen son, Jesus, this can perhaps be attributed to the fact that such a witness would have been considered too biased by those who denied the Lord's resurrection and therefore unworthy of belief. In other words, oh, you're just saying you're making this up because, um, because you know, this was the mother of Jesus. So you're just saying this, okay? They would have cast doubt on this. Remember, the principal author of the the Gospels of all of Scripture is the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit inspired every word of sacred Scripture. So the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, must have thought it prudent not to mention Christ's appearance to the Virgin Mary in the accounts of the gospel writers and and um, the other writers of the New Testament. And maybe it was for this reason that God knew that that it would appear to be a biased report of Christ's resurrection. Okay. Um, so the Holy Spirit being the principal author of sacred scripture chose not to include this account. Okay. Now, John Paul II offered another reason as well. He says the gospels only list a few appearances of the risen Lord. Okay. It wasn't a complete summary of all that happened during the 40 days after Easter. We know this, for example, because St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, speaks of how Jesus appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Okay? So um, 
this would this was an exceptional appearance. Jesus appears to 500 of the brethren, 500 disciples of Christ, in other words. Okay, the gospel writers make no mention of this. The Holy Spirit did not inspire them to to write this account in the gospels. So we know John Paul says that an exceptional event such as this was not mentioned by the evangelists. So the evangelists didn't record all of Jesus's appearances. Okay. The Holy Spirit did not inspire them to do so. And then John Paul asks, how could the Blessed Virgin present in the first community of disciples? We know this from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 14. St. Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, it is the continuation of his gospel. Now, he notes that Mary was present with the apostles in the gatherings in the upper room. She's present at Pentecost, okay? So John Paul II says, how could the Blessed Virgin, present in the first community of disciples, as St. Luke records in the Acts of the Apostles, be excluded from those who met her divine son after he had risen from the dead? Indeed, says John Paul, it is legitimate to think that the mother was probably the first person to whom the risen Jesus appeared. Okay. Yes. And I would say um, that here is an argument from fittingness, okay? Fittingness. It is fitting uh, rights and proper to think that Jesus would have appeared to his mother before anyone else who loved him the most, who was present with him throughout his suffering and death on the cross, okay? Who deserved more to receive that first appearance of Jesus than Mary? And, you know, her, her great faith as well, okay? Um, she's the mother of the son, Okay, her, her great faith, knowing that her son was going to rise from the dead, she, she did not go to the tomb. Okay. And John Paul II, he poses another question. He says, if, if Mary's not joining the women going to the tomb at dawn can indicate she had already met Jesus, um, well, um, those women had been faithful at the cross. Of course, Our Lady was the most faithful of all. So it makes sense that Jesus would have appeared to these women, these whole, pardon me, to the Blessed Virgin Mary first if, if he later appeared to these other women. And John Paul offers another, st still another reason for believing Jesus appeared first to his mother. The unique and special character of the Blessed Virgin's presence at Calvary. Okay? She's there at the foot of the cross as the associate in the redemption. The associate, the cooperatrix, okay? she's cooperating. Uh, she is, for that reason, the co 
redemptrix. Okay. So how fitting that Jesus should reward her for that intimate cooperation in the redemption by visiting her first. And this is what John Paul says. The unique special character of the Blessed Virgin Mary's presence at Calvary, her perfect union with her son in his suffering. Okay. Seem to postulate, he says, a very particular sharing on her part in the mystery of the resurrection. Thus, it would be part of completing in this way her participation in all the essential moments of the Paschal mystery. So, to quote John Paul II, it is reasonable to think that Mary, as the image and model of the church, she goes before the whole church, which waits for the risen one, meets him, Well, I, I see we're going to take a little break here. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with the continuation of the second segment of the Marian Hour today. This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, and I'm pleased to be here at the Pro-Life Rally, the March for Life here in Federal Plaza. And I've been asked the question, why is Catholic Radio important? Well, it's important because we need to get the word out. And more that we can broadcast widely the message of Jesus Christ, we really are doing the mission of the church. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hi, this is Mark Curran. Are you in need of a trial lawyer? My career in both law and politics has been spent fighting for the injured and most vulnerable. Faithful Catholics, your problem is that many of the trial lawyers that I have been fighting are on the side of the abortion industry, as well as many other intrinsic evils. Martindale Hubble, the agency that rates attorneys, has given me the highest rating for both ethics and ability. 
I am a former county, state, and federal prosecutor, as well as a three-term sheriff, and I am the host of the program Cross-Examination on WSFI. If you want a trial lawyer with the highest credentials and ability that will not support the evil agenda destroying America, but will support WSFI Catholic Radio, then you can learn more at 847-721-3189 or go to markcurrentlaw.com. Once again, that's 847-721-3189 or go to markcurrentlaw.com. Well, this is Father Campbell, and I'm back for the second segment of the Marian Hour on this Easter Wednesday. As I said a little earlier, um, every day in this octave of Easter, we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord liturgically. And we're doing so today, this Easter Wednesday, we're we're rejoicing in a, in a joy incomparable to any other feast that our Lord Jesus Christ, by his suffering, death, and resurrection, has conquered death and given us a share in that divine life. So, um, for those who may be just joining us right now, I'm going to speak for a few minutes um, again on... The question, did Jesus appear to his blessed mother first before he appeared to anyone else? The Gospels do not record Jesus appearing to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the principal author of scriptures. The Holy Spirit did not inspire the sacred authors, the evangelists in particular, to, to write down any account of Jesus appearing to his mother. But in the tradition of the church, we know that uh, there is a strong tradition that Mary appeared to, pardon me, that Jesus appeared to Mary, his mother first. How fitting, right, and proper this would have been. In the first segment of today's show, I quoted from a number of homilies of St. John Paul II, who addresses this question saying that you know mary was the most faithful of all his disciples therefore jesus would appear have appeared to her first and being most faithful of course uh, jesus made three predictions about uh, he would rise from the dead so mary did not show up at the tomb because she believed out of everyone she alone believed that he would rise from the dead. So, uh, John Paul concludes that, and I'll quote him again here, it is reasonable to think that Mary, as the image and model of the church, which waits for the risen one and meets him in the group of disciples during his Easter appearances, had had a personal contact with her risen son, so that she too could delight in the fullness of Paschal joy. Who deserved this more than the Blessed Virgin Mary? Okay, so um, now I'll quote a few saints from the past 
who have put forth good reasons for Mary being the first to whom Jesus appeared at, after his resurrection. Okay. Uh, the first I'll talk about is the great Dominican fiery preacher, okay, um, Saint Vincent Ferrer. Okay. He was a Spaniard, and um, he, in an Easter sermon, talked about how many theologians have reached the conclusion that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared first to Mary, his mother. I'll quote him. St. Vincent says, the first apparition he gave was to the Blessed Virgin Mary, although the gospel does not tell us about this. And then St. Vincent offers us three reasons why we should believe Jesus appeared first to his mother. And I'll quote his, his Easter sermon. First, he says, by divine precept, because she suffered above all others in the passion of her son, Christ, by special privilege, was born of his mother so that she gave birth without pain. But of all the pains of birth and death came over her, pardon me, but all the pains of birth and death came over her in the passion of her son. This is because scripture says, he quotes the book of Sirach here, Ecclesiastes 7.29, honor your father, forget not the groaning or birth pangs of your mother. Christ most perfectly kept the law of honoring parents. It follows, says St. Vincent, that he appeared to his mother first, who was most um, tri trialed or underwent trial stress, more so than all others. Okay. Now, in another Eastern, Easter sermon, St. Vincent Ferrer elaborates on this reason and he says this, um, he gives an example here. He says, if someone were overseas, okay, and his mother, uh, his, his, his mother had died, he got word of his mother dying. And um, he returned to visit his, his, his uh, mother, the relatives, okay, would he visit other relatives first uh, before he would visit uh, uh, his mother, okay? Um, no, of course he wouldn't, okay? He would, he would go pay respects to his mother first, okay? Um, same if his, his mother thought he died, okay? If he, his mother thought he died, he would go first to to visit his mother, tell his mother, you know, I'm not dead, here I am, okay, before he would visit his friends. Well, Jesus being the perfect son would never have done this. Okay? He would, have, would not have visited other friends before paying respects to his mother if his mother had died or assuring his mother he, he not, had not died, okay? Jesus risen from the dead would have appeared to his mother first. Uh, 
Another reason St. Vincent gives is the merit of Mary's faith. And um, only the Virgin Mary on Holy Saturday believed in Jesus' predictions about his resurrection, says St. Vincent. Because of this, on every Saturday, the office of the day is celebrated in her honor. We still do this. Saturday is Mary's day. Sunday is the Lord's day. We honor the Blessed Virgin Mary on Saturday. In fact, there is there is a tradition in the church going back many, many centuries that we have masses, special masses, votive masses in honor of the Virgin Mary on Saturday. And St. Vincent is making reference to this, okay? This is the day we honor the Virgin Mary. We do this in the church's divine office. We do this by special masses. In fact, there's a, a beautiful collection of masses that were put together after the Second Vatican Council, uh, which priests can offer every Saturday, especially it goes through different liturgical seasons. They're very beautiful. And uh, St. Vincent says, um, well, Saturday is, is the day we honor Mary. Therefore, Scripture says, the Lord shows himself to them who have faith in him. He quotes the Book of Wisdom, chapter 1, verse 2. Therefore, it seems that as a reward of merit for her faith, Jesus would have appeared to her first. So, Mary's great faith. A third reason, says St. Vincent, is because of the intensity of Mary's love. He says, and I quote him here, there was never a mother who loved her son more than Mary loved Christ. Then he quotes Jesus in the Last Supper Discourse, chapter 14, verse 21 of John's Gospel. Jesus says, He that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So, in other words, what is St. Vincent saying here? Mary loved more her son, Jesus. No one loved Jesus more than her. Therefore, Jesus rewarded that love by loving Mary in return and manifesting himself to the Blessed Virgin Mary first after his resurrection. So I'll quote St. Vincent here. From these three reasons, then, it is clear that Jesus appeared to the Virgin Mother first, although the holy evangelists are expressly silent about it. And St. Vincent even presents a picture of how this might have taken place because he says, through God's grace, the devout soul can piously contemplate 
the sweetness of this vision in their hearts. What is he saying here? St. Vincent's saying, we can all picture Jesus, and I do this myself, okay? I imagine Jesus appearing to Mary and they're face to face. And Mary is overjoyed with this immense, deep joy, indescribable, contemplating the face of her son, Jesus. And then there's Jesus, the joy in his eyes, in his face, okay? Contemplating the face of his, his mother. So I think this is a, an excellent uh, point that St. Vincent Ferrer brings up, okay? So uh, we can piously contemplate the sweetness of, of this union of Mary and Jesus in our minds, using our imagination. Okay. I'll quote St. Vincent here. He says, the Virgin Mary was most certain that her son would rise on the third day as he predicted. But perhaps she did not know the hour of his resurrection. She wouldn't have, okay? How would she know that, okay? Because it is not written that Christ had revealed the hour of his resurrection. So the Virgin Mary, on this very night, which was so long for her, okay, awaited the resurrection of her son, and she began to think at which hour he would rise, but she did not know. And then, after preparing and reading Psalms, Mary, you know, she would have been, been a good Jewish woman, been reading the Psalms, which talk about the suffering death, resurrection of her son. She looked out of the window, saw the dawn breaking. She rejoiced, saying, now my son is rising, okay? And among other details, St. Vincent, Vincent Ferrer suggests that Jesus greeted his mother saying, peace be with you. And the Virgin fell to her knees, weeping abundantly for joy, adored him, kissed his hands and feet, saying, O blessed wounds, which have given me such pain on Good Friday. Christ kissing his mother said, My mother, rejoice, because from now on you will have nothing but joy and celebration. Okay. So, of course, this is St. Vincent's imagination, uh, just using his, his imagination to, to uh, picture in his mind and heart and for his readers what this, this encounter with the risen Christ and his mother would have been like, okay? Uh, how beautiful, you know, Mary would have kissed those hands and feet, those wounds, which she saw the nails drive through, okay? standing at the foot of the cross. Oh, another saint here we'll quote uh, on this point, St. Bridget of Sweden. She was given many, many mystical revelations, okay, especially about the passion, okay, of our Lord, okay. Um, and uh, one of the things, I'll, I'll have to mention this, she, she talked about how um, St. Bridget, how um, Jesus 
actually revealed to her that my heart was in union with the heart of my mother. It was as if with one heart we redeemed the human race. Okay, um, that's what Jesus said to, to Saint Bridget. Okay, so um, <clears throat> in her revelations, that's Saint Bridget's great book. They're called the Revelations. Okay, and as I said Saint Bridget is of uh, Sweden, known for her visions. She has this to say, when the third day came, it brought bewilderment, the third day meaning Easter Sunday, okay? It brought bewilderment, anxiety to the disciples, the women going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, sought him and could not find him. The apostles were gathered together in their fear, guarding the doors. Then surely, though we are not told of this in the Gospels, Mary spoke of the resurrection of her son, that he had truly risen from the dead, that he was alive again in all his humanity, no more subject to death, risen to an eternal glory. We read that Mary Magdalene, the apostles, were the first to see the risen Christ, but we may believe, says St. Bridget, that Mary, his mother, knew of his rising before all others and that she was the first to see him. It was Mary in her loneliness who gave first of all, before others, praise and adoration to the risen Christ. Time for a little break. We'll return in a couple of minutes with more of today's Marian Hour. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, this is Mark Curran. Are you in need of a trial lawyer? My career in both law and politics has been spent fighting for the injured and most vulnerable. Martindale Hubble has given me the highest rating in ethics and ability. If you want a trial lawyer with the highest rating in ethics and ability that will not support the evil agenda destroying America, but will support WSFI Catholic Radio, well, you can learn more at 847-721-3189 or go to markcurranlaw.com. Hi, my name is Irene Sherapata. My husband Alex and I are volunteers for WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is our family's source of truthful and trustworthy information regarding the Catholic faith, the church, our religion, and state of the world in these trying times. My husband Alex and I 
are greatly rewarded for our volunteer work at WSFI by working with such lovable and like-minded people and by meeting and hearing firsthand some of our, the most respected, wise, and interesting guest speakers. Its programmings on healing the whole person has helped so many and is truly inspired by God. This radio station is really a school of Catholic thought and source of wisdom. We have learned so much, and our faith and love for God has increased so much that we hope to share it with everyone we meet. We hope and pray that WSFI 88.5 FM would soon reach the entire Chicagoland population. You too can help WSFI bring millions of souls to God. See how you can support their effort by calling WSFI Catholic Radio at 224-206-8455 or online at WSFICatholicRadio.org for your donation. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell, back for the third segment of the Marian Hour this Easter Wednesday. And I'm talking today, uh, continuing to speak in this segment, the last segment of the Marian Hour, about um, how Jesus, according to the pious tradition of the Church, Jesus appeared first to his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, before any others, although this is not recorded in any of the Gospels. John Paul II, I quoted him in the first segment. Um, I was quoting St. Vincent Ferrer, famous, some famous Easter homilies, St. Bridget of Sweden. Here I'll quote St. Ignatius of Loyola on the same point in his spiritual exercises. Um, at the beginning of the meditations, on the resurrection of Jesus, here is what St. Ignatius Loyola wrote. First, he appeared to the Virgin Mary, although this is not said in scripture, it is included in, in saying that he appeared to so many others. That's what the gospels tell us. Scripture supposes that we have this understanding uh, that among these others was the Virgin Mary. Now, Another uh, great scholar, hopefully he will be a saint someday, is the servant of God, Father John Harden, uh, who died in the year 2000. And <clears throat> in his Catholic Catechism, which was written back in 1975, uh, Father Harden um, says that, quote, it is not only a pious opinion that the risen Savior first appeared to his mother Mary on Easter Sunday, but no less than six doctors of the church, including St. Ambrose, St. Anselm, St. Albert the Great, held that Our Lady was the first witness of the resurrection. Okay. And <clears throat> Father Hardin then goes on to describe several reasons for this. 
the main one, he says, according to this church's spiritual um, masters, okay, the great saints, commentators, is that the resurrection is the fulfillment of the Annunciation. At the Annunciation, says Father Hardin, Mary submitted her will by faith to the word of God, that it be done to me as you say. At the resurrection, her faith was rewarded by actually seeing and speaking with her glorified son. At the Annunciation, says Father Hardin, Mary represented the human race still in need of redemption. At the resurrection, she represented the human race already redeemed. And at the Annunciation, Mary became the mother of the Redeemer, giving him the human nature which, with which he offered himself on the cross for our sins, our salvation. At the resurrection, she received him in her arms after having received him on Calvary as the mother of the church. Moreover, says Father Hardin, at the Annunciation, Mary accepted her vocation to suffer with her son in his mission of redeeming the world from sin. On Easter Sunday, she shared with him the joy of his glorious resurrection. And just to quote Father Hardin again, he says that the Annunciation, Mary became the link between Christ's humanity and our own. She provided him with the body he needed to sacrifice to his father for our salvation. At the resurrection, Mary completed this link by cooperating with him as the mediatrix of all the graces that Jesus began to dispense to the human family, which was restored to merciful friendship with God through Christ, okay? And um, so these are, are very good reasons why we should believe that <clears throat> the Blessed Virgin Mary was the first to whom uh, Jesus appeared on that first Easter Sunday after he rose from the dead. Now, I'm going to segue into another little topic here. Um, And um, this is um, concerning a a beautiful prayer that we say throughout most of the year. Okay. A prayer that the church traditionally says at 6 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 6 p.m., recalling the greatest event in the history of the world, the Annunciation of the Incarnation and Birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest event was, of course, the Incarnation. And here I'm speaking of the Angelus Prayer. And for those of you, I'm sure all all of our People listening out there, I'm sure, know what the Angelus Prayer is. I'll recite it here. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, she conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then we pray the Hail Mary. 
Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word, we pray, Hail Mary. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we pray another Hail Mary. And we say, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. For forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts. But we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, there's a history behind this Angelus prayer. It goes back about a thousand years. Okay? Uh, and it uh, is focused on when the angel appears to this young maiden, this virgin in Nazareth named the Virgin Mary, greets her with those words, Hail Mary. And we can say that the Angelus is, in a way, the story of the Hail Mary. Now, the Angelus attained its present form only gradually. First, it was recited only in the morning. That was back um, in the 13th century. Uh, the Franciscans, in, in a chapter at Assisi in the year 1269, prescribed that the, the friars, the brothers, should exhort the faithful to greet Our Lady uh, after a morning prayer, okay, with a Hail Mary, to recall the mystery of the Incarnation, and at the ringing of bells, okay. Well, um, actually, Pope Gregory the Ninth in 1241, before that, ordered the ringing of bells to remind people to pray for the Crusades, to pray this, this Angelus prayer. Okay, so it was already around in the 12th century. And um, at about, well, in late 13th, early 14th century, uh, Brother Bonvesin of, of Riva introduced the evening ringing of the Hail Mary bell, the Angelus, in Milan and its surrounding area. And little by little, this practice became widespread. Okay. On October 13th, 1318, Pope John XXII approved the custom of reciting the Hail Mary at the curfew hour. And on May 7, 1327, he wrote to the Vicar General of Rome to have the evening bell of the three Hail Marys rung in the Eternal City of Rome. Okay, And actually, Dante uh, makes reference in Canto 8 of his Purgatorio of this evening Angelus. Okay? Well, in the 15th century, um, there was the establishment of the custom of ringing the bell reciting Hail Mary's um, in the evening in remembrance of Mary's sorrows. And then in the, in the middle of the 15th century, Pope Callistus III prescribed the daily ringing of the bells at midday for the Angelus, okay, for success in the Crusades against the Turks. Now, I remember this as a child. I remember St. Dennis Parish, southwest, southwest side of Chicago, uh, 83rd in St. Louis, I remember the Angelus bells ringing at the church next door. We would stand at noon. The Angelus bells were, would ring 
we would pray the Angelus to remind us of you know the this this great event, the incarnation of our Lord, before we ate lunch. And um, so, why am I talking about the Angelus? Because the Church prescribed actually Pope Benedict the Fourteenth in 1724 uh, approved that and prescribed that during Easter time, the Angelus prayer would be replaced by another great Marian prayer or hymn okay, called the Regina Celi. Okay? And the Regina Celi, we, we don't really know the authorship of the Regina Celi, but uh, this is the, the Regina Celi hymn that um, is prayed um, <clears throat> uh, after uh, night prayer each evening in the monasteries. It's prescribed actually um, in in the churches, liturgical offices. Okay, and you know this this prayer dates back to the 12th century, and um, the prayer, the beautiful prayer, goes like this: Queen of Heaven. Rejoice, alleluia, for he whom you did merit to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. And then rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, because the Lord is truly risen, alleluia. Then we pray, let us pray, O God who by the resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, granted joy to the whole world. Grant, we beg you, that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may lay hold of the joys of eternal life through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, um, <clears throat> the... Divine motherhood is, is the source of all Mary's privileges, her perfections. She was conceived immaculately because she was going to be the mother of God. She was ever a virgin because or she had to be a virgin in conceiving, giving birth forever afterwards because she was the mother of God. She was assumed into heaven because she's the mother of God. And uh, this Regina Chaley is is a prayer of rejoicing. And I'm going to end today Okay, it's five to three, with chanting the Regina Chaley, okay, in Latin. Now, I've, I've given the English version already. And for those of you who know the Latin, <clears throat> it's a beautiful hymn. And I will chant the Latin. You may join with me if you know it, okay? And here we go. Regina Chaley, Letare. Alleluia, quia quem meruisti portare. Alleluia, resurrexit, sicut dixit. Alleluia, ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia, gaudet litere virgo Maria. Alleluia. We are Dominus Vere, Alleluia. Oremus, Deus 
qui per resurrectionum filii tui, Domini nostri Jesu Christi, mundum beatificare dignatus es, resta quesimus, ut per eus genitricem virginem Mariam, perpetue capiamus gaudie vitae, periundum Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. So, I encourage you, in this Easter season, instead of praying the Angelus, 6 a.m., 12 noon, or 6 p.m., to pray that beautiful Regina Chaley prayer. God bless you. We'll see you at our next Marian Hour in two weeks. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.